Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. A peaceful 4th of July night is interrupted by a demonic invader. And then we take a look at the urban legend known as the Bunny Man. Was there any truth to the story of a man in a bunny suit chasing people down with an axe? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Like usual, we got a lot to jump into, so we're going to go ahead and get started here. Now, our first story, just like yesterday's story where I talked about the crazy guy who took a bunch of acid and allegedly (laughs) was running people over with his car, happened on the 4th of July, America's birthday. It's America's birthday. It's the one day everyone should just come together, throw fireworks at each other, start small fires, and use the explosions that celebrate America's glory as cover for their gun-related crimes. That's what 4th of July is for, not for these lunatics. 4th of July, 2019. There's this family, the Lewis family. They just moved into their new house in Chesterfield County, Virginia. Brand new house. America's birthday, house birthday, a new family is born. I, I mean, they had three kids. They weren't just like, they weren't the Sims. They weren't like moving into a house and then breeding the next day. But this was their first night in a new house. They all have a good time and everyone goes to bed. Except for the dad. He stays up late. He stays up a little bit later than the rest of the family. So at 10.30 p.m., the dad is still awake, putting around the house, going, this is going to be a good house. I could raise a good family here. He's like, Touching the walls. He's like gladiator. He's like walking through the living room, touching the carpet with his fingertips. He's like, this is peace. I found Elysium here. And then he hears... Bunch of stuff get knocked over. In the basement. It should be specific. It wasn't like he turned around and there was a bunch of stuff knocked over in his house. He heard some commotion in his basement. He's like, the peace has been disturbed. My new house. So he goes and he opens up the basement door. What is it about basements that are intrinsically creepy? Attics and basements. I don't know if it's the fact that people aren't there very often or the fact that they're always featured in horror movies. But if you were walking around your house and you heard like a loud noise kicking around in your living room, you'd be like, ah. But you would, <laughs> you would do more than that, but you'd be like, oh, no. Someone's in my living room. And that would suck. I'm not downplaying that. But if you heard a noise bumping around in your basement, you'd think, demon, then maybe burglar. If you heard the living, if you heard the noise in your living room, you'd probably go burglar. But if you heard a bunch of thrashing around in your basement, you're grabbing the crucifix. But anyway, so this dude, this dad, here's a bunch of stuff knocking around in his basement. He's like, that's weird. And so he opens the door and he sees a young woman. Her name is Ryan Doss, 29-year-old woman. And you're thinking, oh, it's just a break-in story, a true crime story. You don't, no, you didn't let me finish. Well, part, it's partially true crime. Anyways, this woman is completely nude. Don't get excited, guys. It's not going there. Dad's like, hmm, a little pre-treat, a little birthday present from my new house. New woman's completely nude. 
Blue ponytail. And the only reason I, why I mention that is because every news report mentioned that. Now, it's funny because I get like a lot of people don't like unusually dyed hair. But that's not the detail I would focus on so much. There's In every article I read about this, they always focus on three things. One, she was naked, which is notable because most people don't appear naked in public. Two, she had a blue ponytail. What? Everyone. That, that doesn't even register. Third, her eyes were completely black. That's, nah, see, you thought it was true crime, dude. You thought I was doing a home invasion story. You're like, man, no. This woman knocking stuff over in the basement. And the father, who wanted to remain unnamed, the mother, for some reason, the wife is saying her name, but the dad's like, I don't want my name used. The dad's standing up there. Maximus is standing up there. He's like, you've disturbed my Elysium. Ryan Doss looks at, but I'm Actually, no, we actually have quotes of what they said. She's thrashing around in the basement. She looks up at him and she says, I need your help. Please help me. And he goes, get out of my house. And there's an actual quote. And then her response to that is, I'm the devil. And then she starts laughing maniacally. So first she was like pleading for him to help her, to like come down the stairs and help her out. And then once he's like, get the hell out of my house, he she's like... Oh, obviously that disguise didn't work. <laughs> Comes the devil. And he says, this is his description of her. She looked possessed. Her eyes were completely black like saucers. And she was laughing like it was a joke. Now, I don't think he meant they were black like saucers. I think he meant they were biggest saucers. And they left that word out of the quote. Or, to be fair, I may not have typed that word out in his quote. But anyways, so she had big old black eyes. Big old demonically possessed black eyes. And she was laughing like it was a joke. The dad then goes and gets his gun. Now, it's interesting to note that I'm there's this is where the story gets a little weird, and I actually was glad that I had a break because I was like, I have to verify some stuff. Sometimes these stories you have to wait a while to see if they're true. There was that story about the guy who got frozen. It was a recent story. A guy in Russia was like found frozen in a cave and the bear had like dragged him back there and was freezing him to use for food later. And I go, That's not true. That's just absolutely not true was all over the internet. Turns out it wasn't true. That guy, who looked like he suffered from horrible frostbite, was actually suffering from, like, advanced psoriasis. Story was completely fake. So if you guys were telling your buddies at work, oh, did you hear about that guy who got kidnapped by a bear and was, like, turned into a frozen meal? No, that didn't happen. So anyways, some of these stories, when I read this, I was like, this is interesting, but it doesn't sound real. This part doesn't sound real either. Dad gets his gun, warns her, hey, don't come up the stairs. And she's <laughs> walking up the stairs, and then she charges him, and he starts opening fire. Now, that's all believable. That all makes sense. He fires 39 shots. So, assuming this guy had a pistol, I don't think he came around the corner with a Tommy gun. Assuming this guy had a pistol, he would have had to reload, what, four times? And... Not a single bullet connected. Now, he said, and now here's the reason why that's, that sounds like a lot of bullets to, to, to do warning shots. But news reporters have been out to the house. I was watching video footage. You do see the bullet holes in the wall. There's blood on the wall, even though he didn't hit her. Because what happens next is she runs up the stairs and they start fighting. And once they start fighting, this is, again, where you kick into the not your everyday home invasion. They start fighting and she said she was incredibly strong a uh, quote, she had the strength of four grown men. So he's wrestling this woman and she's just large and in charge. She's actually quite skinny, but she's very, very strong. This wakes up his family. 
And he's wrestling with her. He begins, like, hitting her with furniture. Almost, I can imagine, like, a Looney Tune. Like, he picks up, like, an ottoman. That doesn't work. Picks up a chair. That doesn't work. Picks up a recliner. That doesn't work. And he, she's just shrugging all this stuff off. His family comes down. His wife and three kids come down. Full fight breaks out. This one woman against a family of five. And she's holding her own. And here is what the news article says. The intruder... The, the reason why I'm reading this quote, because I, I can't really make sense of this. The intruder didn't stop until one of the children, the 12-year-old son, Logan, of course, his name's Logan, Logan shoved a wrench into her neck. So I'm like, did he, like, hit her in the neck? Was it, did they mean screwdriver and put it in the neck? Like, how do you shove a wrench into someone's neck? I mean, I guess you can, and I guess it would be extremely painful, but that's what ended the fight. When Logan jumped into the fray, stick, but instead of claws, had two wrenches, and just poked her really hard in the neck. Actually did quite a lot of damage. The woman ended up getting like massive facial wounds from this wrench jab into the neck. Shoved a wrench into her neck. I'm not wrong in thinking that's a weird phrase, right? But anyways, puts the wrench in her neck. He's like, time to tighten this nut case. Dad's like, uh, A for effort. But it doesn't really make sense. Woman's bleeding out. Woman's bleeding out, everyone. She gets arrested. They're covered, the family's covered in bites and bruises, and the woman who had to be treated for severe head trauma. What's really weird, everything's weird about the story. What I find odd about the story is, one, it happened on 4th of July. I don't know why I find that weird. Two, they started getting, this family started getting harassed online because of this story. They actually don't live in the house right now. They said, it's a horrible place to go to, there's blood everywhere. You know, you can clean that up, but... They're like, it's just a horrible memory. It's our first night in the house, and <laughs> our entire family of five had to fight this demonically possessed woman. But they're getting trolled online because of this story. So here is my... I'm glad everyone was okay, and that Ryan woman's going to... She's probably going to probably, you know, do two years or something like that. I don't think it's going to be a serious crime for her, but here's my ultra-spooky conspiracy theory about this one. She was demonically possessed. She was sent there allegedly. <laughs> Before I start saying this, allegedly, I have no proof to back this up. This is just me being a, cons- a, fa- a fantast, uh, a fabulist. I think that's another word for a liar, but you know what I mean? Like, this is me extrapolating this out. I'm not saying any of this is true. I just think it's an interesting theory. No proof. I'm not saying it's true. But <laughs> all that being said, she was demonically possessed, and she was sent there to torment this family. And the family fought her off. Shoved a wrench into her neck. She was sent there to torment the family. She didn't succeed in what she was supposed to do. And the people trolling this family online, making them feel unsafe, making them feel scared to the point where they're not, they're moving from location to location in the area, are fellow demonically possessed people continuing her work to torment this family. I have no proof to back that up. I have no proof to back that up at all. So don't sue me, demonically possessed trolls or family of five that beat up a demonically possessed woman and maybe she wasn't demonically but the logical thing is she wasn't demonically possessed at all you see a naked woman in your basement she looks up at you and goes i need your help and she has those black eyes and it's funny i'll do another episode on this in the future but the story of the black-eyed kids um that's a that's a really big urban legend going on right now where kids show up at your door and they go can you help us and their eyes are completely black so i think it's interesting that you have that detail to this, where you have someone first ask for help, and the guy notices she has completely black eyes. She attacks them, 
But this one's been completely verified by the police. The police didn't take a photograph and see that she had black eyes, but the woman is arrested. There's police records and photographs and news reports and everything like that that you can see online. So was this a case of a black-eyed kid taking the next step or a black-eyed woman taking the step of now actually like breaking in your house rather than just trying to be invited in? Is she the first step? of a full-on demonic invasion, and if you beat her back to her demonically-possessed trolls, then harass you to continue her mission. Most likely not, but it's an interesting take on an otherwise terrible home invasion story, which you were afraid it was in the first place. Okay, so, but demons, man, that makes it more than the average. It's more than the average home invasion. Let's go ahead and move on to our next topic. Now, our next topic was actually a request was a request on Facebook from Merrick. And Merrick goes, hey, man, talk about the Bunny Man. Now, I had been researching the Bunny Man. Thanks, Merrick. I had been researching the Bunny Man before that. Just because it's kind of an odd, it's an outlier when it comes to urban legends. Because it's true. It's verifiably true. But let's talk about who the Bunny Man is first. October 22nd, 1970. We're in Fairfax County, Virginia. And in Fairfax County, Virginia, there is Guinea Road. Richard Gere's favorite road. That's an old joke. And not true, actually. He did not stick a gerbil up his butt. But in moving on from that, moving on from that, October 22nd, 1970. There's a young couple sitting in a car on Guinea Road. <laughs> and it's Robert Bennett and his fiance, Just sitting in this car late at night. Smooth jazz playing, whatever they listened to in the 70s. You didn't listen to disco while you're sitting in a car making out, I assume. You didn't listen to something like sexy, right? Earth, wind, and fire. So anyways, Robert Bennett and his fiance are sitting in this car on Guinea Road. And they see something kind of in the bushes. And then you see the point of view from the bunny man. You see thermal vision of the couple in the car. <sighs> You're looking through the bunny man's eyes. Anyways, this couple sitting in the car late at night, earth, wind, and fire's playing, and this guy in a giant bunny suit starts walking towards the car. Now, that would startle anybody. If you were sitting in the middle of nowhere, making out with your girl, and you saw a man in a tuxedo come out of the bushes, that would startle you. So any other thing added to that would make it far more terrifying. Bunny suit, coming out of the bushes, This dude, though, is also holding a hatchet. And he walks up to the car and he begins yelling, You're on private property. And he pulls his hand back to throw the hatchet. And then we freeze frame. (laughs) Six years earlier. Go back in time. And I'll tell you, that is the one thing that pisses me off about movies more than anything. No, there's a lot of stuff that pisses me off about movies. But whenever you have a movie that goes, they shows an exciting scene and then goes four years or three days earlier, eight hours earlier, whatever it is, you've lost almost all goodwill with me. Like, it will take me a good 30, 40 minutes for me to be like, okay, like, I hate it. when If you're a writer, don't do that. It's one of the most irritating things as a someone who reads books or watches movies. Basically, it signals to me your story will not get exciting until we get to that point. It's super, super irritating. Anyways. That being said, I'm going to use that same gimmick for this. We're going back in time. And in the 1960s, so 10 years earlier, there's an insane asylum in Fairfax County, Virginia. But it's being shut down on the stormiest night possible. 
get in the get in the crazy bus, guys. Get in the crazy bus. That's not an inmate. That's the guards pushing the crazy people with shotguns. Get in the bus, crazy loco people. Throwing them in the bus. Start driving away. <laughs> They're in a semi, apparently. They're running away from war pups. They're in a bus <laughs> driving through a rainstorm, and the bus loses control. The driver loses control of the bus. Bus skids off the road. Blows up. Two inmates escape. Crawl out of the wreckage. Douglas Griffin and Marcus Walster. And they're in the woods for a long time, and nobody could find these guys. But what they did find was the guts and skins of rabbits they were eating. And eventually, over time, crazy people do what crazy people do, and Griffin ends up killing Walster and hangs him from a local bridge. Now, these guys were known as the bunny men because they found all these bunny carcasses everywhere. But now it's just the bunny man, Griffin, because Walster is hung. They find his crazy body hanging from a crazy rope off a crazy bridge. The bunny man was never seen again. But now if you walk across what's known as Bunny Man Bridge, you will get killed by the ghost of Douglas Griffin. An interesting story, an urban legend that went around Fairfax County for a long, long time. But let's move on. There was an urban legend in Fairfax County, Virginia, of a teenager who bought a bunny suit. He loved wearing his bunny suit, wore it everywhere. Very, very, the, the, the original furry. He is the Cain and Abel, he's both of those dudes, of the furries. I wonder how long ago furries existed. Like, our, I remember, it was funny, I remember watching, like, DuckTales and all that stuff. I've talked about that stuff. And I remember one day I was sitting <laughs> watching, it might have even been Rescue Rangers, which was my least favorite thing. But I remember watching all these shows growing up, or I was older at this point. I was, a, a, you know, junior or senior in high school. They had all of these characters. Now, there was no sexy ducks on DuckTales. There were no real sexy characters on like Tailspin or Darkwing Duck or definitely not Gummy Bears, but I remember like Rescue Rangers, I think Gadget was supposed to be kind of like shapely and stuff like that. The woman in Tailspin looked like a mom, which I mean, no offense to moms, but <laughs> but anyways, you know what I mean? Like the female animals began to get more and more shapely as time went on. And I remember thinking, before I even knew anything about furries, I remember thinking people are going to start wanting to bang these things. Not me. I <laughs> mean, that wasn't like an innate desire. But I remember thinking, these, these characters are getting to be drawn far more curvier. People are going to want to bang these things someday. And so when I started hearing about furries, I wasn't shocked at all. I go, oh, that, that's an outgrowth, I think, of the media that we consume is where your, uh, where your fetishes can come from. Definitely. So anyways, where was I going with this? Oh yeah, I wonder who the first furry, like not who the first furry was. It was just like this this Count Dracula of furries that lived up in a mountain. I wonder when that started. I would assume, and again, I would assume it did not exist. Furries, I assume it did not exist before Walt Disney cartoons. I think that was the start of it. I don't think anyone ever thought about dressing up as a as a wolf or a duck I mean, shamans and stuff like that, like medicinal practitioners, shapeshifters. But the idea of putting on a costume as a giant duck or or porcupine or whatever and walking around like banging other porcupines, I don't think that happened before Disney. Which is interesting because how many other fetishes can we really point to like an origin? Like a hair fetish is just when people (laughs) stopped, like people were evolving out of monkeys. And they're like, man, I wish I miss all that hair. 
You know, actually, hair fetishes... Okay, okay. I'll finish this thought. Hair fetish is actually considered one of the most common fetishes possible. So, anyway. <laughs> that all being said. That all being said. Totally off track. We have the story of the two inmates escaping from the insane asylum. Is that the origin of the Bunny Man legend? Let's go ahead. I have to restart this whole part. Let's go ahead. A couple years later, there was a story of a teenager in Fairfax County, Virginia, who gets a bunny suit. You're like, Jason, I already heard this part, but I don't remember what I said, so I have to say it again. He gets a bunny suit. He wears it all the time. He totally loves it. And then he picks up an axe one day and just bashes all of it. Well, didn't bash him. He cut his family to pieces. Sliced them up. Now you go, Jason, you don't have to make sound effects when it comes to a family murder. But I guess I should say this right now. The Bunny Man Bridge story is 100% not true. It is pure urban legend. There was no insane asylum in that in Fairfax County, Virginia. There was no two escaped inmates. Douglas Griffin and Marcus Walster never existed. Blah, 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 blah. And you're like, well, that's kind of a buzzkill. But I want to lay this out because there are details of it that are true. So we have the story of the teenage getting the bunny suit, <laughs> mashing his family up making horrible sound effects as he does it. He goes to the Bunny Man Bridge. Again, it was just called Bridge at that point. Kills himself, hangs him, specifically. And then as a ghost, kills people on that bridge. But this one doesn't just kill people on the bridge. He kills people using an axe. And then there's another version of this urban legend of a man in a bunny suit in Fairfax County, Virginia, carrying an axe, commits vandalism all over town, and he's never, ever caught. And you think, well, that's a weird de-escalation. The first one, we have two escaped inmates eating rabbits on the run. Rebels without a cause or without any sanity. One ends up killing the other, and that murderer now is a ghost who kills people on Buddy Man Bridge. And then the next one makes it creepier. Now it's just some teenager who snapped in a bunny suit. Again, makes it creepier. Kills himself on same bridge, and now kills you with an axe. Third one's just a guy running around with an axe committing petty vandalism. But the reason why there's a de-escalation there is because the third one is closest to the truth. The truth of the matter is Fairfax County, Virginia does have or did have and may still have a bunny man problem. Let's go back to our story, how, how we started this off. October 22nd, 1970, Robert Bennett, his fiance, and Earth, Wind, and Fire hanging out in this car, the guy in the bunny suit comes out with the hatchet and says, you're on private property. He takes the hatchet, throws it out of the car, it breaks a window. The couple drives off. They go to the police station and they say, some guy in a bunny suit just came out of nowhere and threw a hatchet at us. And of course, the cops are looking at these people and being like, that's the dumbest thing we've heard all night. But they take him outside and they show the police there's damage to the car. There's a hatchet in the back seat. Windows busted. And the kid's like, listen, this really happened. I'm not going to fake this. My girlfriend's terrified. I'm not getting any tonight. Unless he goes and buys a bunny suit. The police put it in their report and they're like, it's probably just a prank. What? Okay. Not a lot of pranks involve flying hatchets. But that is 100% true. That story actually happened. And what happens is... There was a guy, his name was Brian Connolly. He was a historian slash archivist for the Fairfax County Public Library. And what happened was he was getting requests because a long time ago, there was creepypasta flying around about the bunny man of Fairfax County, Virginia. And he's sitting there in his library doing nerd stuff. And every so often he'd get an email being like, I'm a paranormal investigator and I want to find out more about this bunny man. Is there really a ghost on Bunny Man Bridge? And he'd be like, what? 
And he kept getting emails. I heard a teenager killed his family and was wearing a bunny man suit. And he's like, what? He got so many of these emails, he thought there has to be a reason. He was able to track down the creepypasta and he read it. He goes, there has to be a reason why these stories are originating here. And so he started digging into all the records. And he goes, I looked at all the mass murders of Fairfax County, Virginia, going back like 100 years. And he goes, there's only five that really were, would be considered a mass murder. And he detailed those a bit, and they were terrible stories, of stories of families getting slaughtered, but it was like some stranger came into town or some guy kidnaps a girl, kills her, stuff like that. He goes, so that didn't really fit with what we know of the Bunny Man legend. And he goes, I started, so there was no insane asylum. Those two people didn't exist. He's the one who did a lot of the research for this stuff. He goes, there was no mass slaughter by a teenager. He goes, but the third version of the story was kind of odd. And he ended up finding an article or a series of articles in the Washington Post that came out in 1970 telling the story, the true story of the bunny man. There was a man in a bunny suit who was walking around Fairfax County, Virginia. That's 100% correct. He carried hatchets or axes with him, throws them at people, and at one point, he was just, he was smashing a house. He was, there was a house that had like um, the support beams holding up the roof over the porch. And he's standing out in this house, in this brand new subdivision. And the security guard for the subdivision is kind of driving around. He sees a guy in a giant bunny suit standing there in the middle of the night. He pulls up and he goes, hey, what are you doing, son? What are you doing? Bunny man looks at him and then takes an axe and starts chopping at the support beams of the house. And he goes, you got to get out of here. You're tra-. These were his exact quotes. He goes, all you people trespass here. If you don't get out of here, I'm going to bust you on the head. And he, the whole time, he's just smashing this house open with his axe. Security guard just kind of looked at him, walked back to his car, got his gun, and then turns around and the bunny man's running into the woods. So that guy also reported him to the police. At this point, the police are looking for a, they're actively looking for a man in a bunny outfit. The security guard said, this was my take from the sound of his voice. He was a teen, he was a white kid. He was a teenager. He was a tall, lanky dude in a big bunny outfit. Police start looking for him. Somebody calls up the owner of the subdivision, calling himself the Axe Man. So he didn't go by Bunny Man, because that's kind of a lame name. This guy went by the Axe Man. He calls up and he said, um, You have been messing up my property by dumping tree stumps, limbs and brush, and other things on the property. You can make everything right by meeting me tonight and talking about the situation and they also said on the phone that when the owner of the subdivision with the people who got that call said he sounded like a late teens early 20s sound like a white guy and um obviously they didn't go to meet a lunatic with an axe and a bunny suit at an undisclosed location but the cops did he never showed up and that is how the true police reported story of the bunny man saga ends you had a man on a rampage in a bunny suit wielding weapons, attacking people who he thought were trespassing or littering on his property. Was he an eco-terrorist? Was he a man who had some property that he saw that civilization was pushing too far into and decided to strike back? Both of those are possible, and they may be the exact same thing. But what's interesting is where did he get the bunny man suit? But the, the fact is, is that he was never caught. And he went on living with his life unless he got like attacked by a bear. A giant man in a bear suit attacked him and ate him. But that's the true version of the story of the bunny man who really did exist. What I think is interesting is you had that story happen in 1970. And it appeared people in town were talking about it. The police were looking for this guy. Washington Post did articles on him. 
But as time passed, people began retelling that story and making it more creepy, more exciting, more dark, and most importantly, with almost no motive. The other two stories, the insane people are insane, they don't have a motive. And the third and the second one, the teenager just snaps and kills a bunch of people, runs off the woods. Having a motive does make things less scary. Because it makes things make sense. You may not agree with the motive, but you go, oh, well, that guy was just had a terrible motive. The truth of the matter is someone was walking around Fairfax County in a bunny outfit with an axe. And that's an odd detail to build off of. If you're going to build an urban legend off of anything, that's a good one to pick. But even with everything being explained and having a nice little bow on it, we still don't know the identity of the bunny man. And we could say he just had these few encounters wearing the bunny man suit, and he was had problems with people being on his property, and he ended up finding another hobby, or got drunk and fell down into the river, or just stopped being a lunatic in a bunny outfit. But there's always the possibility that when people in this county forgot he existed and began making up crazy stories about a different person named the Bunny Man, there's always a possibility that the Bunny Man simply went to another location, went to another community, and his crimes in those other areas also got lost through the mist of time. You'd think you would remember a man in a bunny suit carrying an axe, but this entire town forgot he even existed. They just remember the name Bunny Man and then had to invent backstories to explain what that word meant. So who's not to say that this hatchet-wielding Bunny Man's reign of terror didn't continue throughout America? Who's to say that if this guy was a teenager in 1970s, he would still be alive today? And who's to say that in the darkness, as you're driving down that road, coming home from work or school, and as you drive down those dark roads that separate the places where you feel comfortable, the places where you feel safe. If you see something on the side of the road, don't stop. Just keep going. You might be curious, but your curiosity may turn you into the next urban legend. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Deadrabbitradio.com